Welcome to day one of the I Am Talk 2016 Kona Super Specials with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isle. Radio team, welcome along to day one of the I Am Talk Kona Super Specials for 2016. How you going, mate? Good. It's all on. It's on like Donkey Kong, team. John the Mountain Snail Hancock's been pulling that line out all week. He's loving it, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, that's a pretty good saying. I do like that saying myself. Proudly brought to you the kind of coverage. Proudly brought to you by Endurance Sport Travel. Check it out, endurancesportstravel.com. Okay, and we've also got some amazing Kona coverage. Is that for things we want to plug? Are we plugging who else, John? Uh, so we've got our I Am Talk gear coming out. Now you're going to see some pictures of this over oh, the coming weeks. So we've amazing. reopened the store. We had guys on Epic Camp um, telling us how marvellous the gear's been. We've also got uh, a pink range. And maybe tomorrow we'll announce some more news on our pink, ra- pink range. But uh, we've got bike jerseys, we've got run gear, we've got socks, we've got uh, fantastic cool. laptop covers, everything you need to get, to get around the show. And it's just one way that you guys can... Yeah, be part of the I Am Talk community and uh, help support the show. Okay, uh, guys. Also, just if you want to do a, a camp, camp. Come if you want to come to Kona. If you like what you hear in the next couple of days, is uh, I've got a camp coming back here in May. We're going to do the seventy point three. It's awesome time. So check it out, epiccamp.com. And anything else we want to? We'll mention the swim camps later. Okay. So guys, it's day one. So basically, what's happened today is John's been going through his camp over the last couple of weeks with or last week for the crew of the camp. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go into more detail on that later? Or yeah, well, we've basically done it. Circumnavigated the island, and today is Tuesday. And we're into race week, so they're having a chilled out day today. Ran in from the energy lab to to the pier, had a bit of a swim, and then tomorrow is another big day riding the Ironman course. So we'll catch up with some of the camp athletes, because I think it's really cool that they're experiencing this from the other side of the fence in terms of not being racing athletes, definitely sort of of middle-of-the-pack athletes, uh, and can share what Kona's been like, because it was, they got a a good experience of the Kona wins on on day day one of the camp, or day, the the proper day one. We had a, a little ride on the first day, so it was good times. Before you coming back, you know, last time we were here, you were racing. I'm scarred, Bevan. Well, no, but no, but more just like you know, last time there was kind of this focus, um, you know, of, of achieving the goal of doing the race and that, mm-hmm. and then you come back this time and you put him in your camp and we've got this and stuff. How do you feel being here now? Uh, I've got, I haven't got any desire to race. You so no, no, not to not do this race. You know, I'm excited to do road next year, but um, I think I'll pretty much stand by what I've said in the past. I probably won't come back to do this race unless they make it wave starts because it's just it's just a bit of a debacle on the bike. So it was interesting. Who was we, who were we talking to earlier on today? Um, Lionel Sanders. Yeah, Lionel Sanders. And you're going to hear this interview. Is it today or maybe tomorrow? tomorrow. Um, but he was just talking about how we maybe should even be defining the way we name races now. <laughs> you know, and like instead of saying it's a draft-free race, it's a partially draft-free <laughs> race. You know, which is a fair call, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because are they true draft-free? Anyway, um, so today's basically you, if you've ever been a part of the show, you know that our Kona Super Specials are a bit of a mixed bag of kind of different variety of people. And so what we're going to do. In today's show is John and I is going to put up some of the interviews we've done over the last few days. So, Jomba, who we got on? First up, we've got Meredith Kessler. I caught up with her actually last week, so I think it was last Friday. And then we've got uh, Andy. I got, I got his pronunciation right when I actually interviewed him. Bursherira, I think it is. He's a German dude who got uh, third in Frankfurt, so he is the real deal. And then Bevan and I have just got back from the Team 
Etix BMC um, Uplace little luncheon and we caught up there with David McNamee and Liz Blatchford and we also did catch up with uh, Will Clark but we're going to probably put him in tomorrow or the next day so that's your line up for today so what I'll do guys is I'll just put those all on back to back and we'll see you at the end of the show here we go Righty ho guys, I've got, uh, she doesn't know this yet, but she's actually going to be our adopted Kiwi for this race because uh, I had a look at the start list for the females in Kona and we've got no Kiwis on the start list. So Meredith Kessler is our next guest and uh, yeah, because you race so regularly, we're going to adopt you as our, as our Kiwi for this race. Are you happy I'm, to take that up? I am game. Um, New Zealand is our jam and because we're going in December and in March, it's like, I will take it and I'm so appreciative. Thank you. That was one of the questions I had actually from listeners asking asking if you were going back to Taupo. So you're planning to go back to Taupo? Twice, yeah. Right. We'll go for the half in December and then it's like, oh my gosh, I can't miss the full. Yeah. So it's just a staple on the calendar and now that the half moved from Auckland to Taupo, it's a definite, definite race on the calendar. Excellent. How do you, I mean, I know this season's been a little bit different for sure. you, but how do you manage your season when it's so long? You, we often see you racing regularly, yep. start in New Zealand, which is in mm-hmm. December, and then you're often, you know, still spanking out uh, mm-hmm. great races in Arizona later in the year. How mm-hmm. do you sort of manage your season? Well, like you said, this season, in, in past years, we'll take this year out. Mm. Um, you know, I like like, like all of us, we love to race, but the key is as I've had more birthdays and get a little <laughs> older, you realize maybe you can't recover quite as fast as you could when you were 30 and, yeah. and such. So I've learned from that, and um, you have to manage injuries and, and the recovery side, which is a big part of our job that we often put on the wayside. Yeah. So I've done, done that a-okay in the past. Um, this year was just a little different because I, a niggle became an injury, um, something I raced with for probably the better part of two years, and then it just got worse yeah. this year, the last six months. So you have to put the body in the body shot sometimes. Um, yeah. That said, in past years, I've turned up at Kona specifically in the heat and the humidity and the wind, and I have not been fresh. Um, yeah. So the universe has very mysterious ways of working, um, and I think I'm just going to listen to it. And so I did did what the body told me to do, and I put it in the body shop this summer. Um, so this is this almost feels like I had that word off season, which we yeah. haven't used that much for me in the past because I, I I do like to race year round, and yeah. it's my job and livelihood. But yeah. uh, so I feel like I'm coming off off-season, and Kona is the start of the second half of the year for me, and I, um, I'm definitely not tired, more vibrant, and just feel you know grateful to be healthy. <laughs> so what do you think about Kona? You know, you, some sure. of your results have been amazing. I've been mm-hmm. so impressed with how you've raced in New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, because I, you call me a sexist pig, but I sometimes benchmark, <laughs> I go, well, look where the pro girls are, and I kind of go, well, this is about where I think I might be if I was racing. And you've just spanked it. Like, to go sub-nine in, in New Zealand is, is incredible. I know it was a fast year, and the guys went fast as well. Mm-hmm. But outside of Kona, you've had amazing mm-hmm. races. And I know you've got to come back to Kona for sponsors, etc. But is it a race that you actually like doing? Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe you can talk about the mm-hmm. swim bike and not sure. necessarily the run. But do you like it? Uh, typically this salt water is not my thing Mm. uh, if you look at my history of races in salt water it's it's for some reason my my body has not liked um, being immersed in salt water and Mm. and we learned that this when I left Kona last year and and we've done the right steps to figure out why with my my adrenals and kidneys and I know that sounds dramatic and it is Mm. and it was and uh, you know it it turns out and and it's funny this will be a real test for me but I it turned out I, I actually had mercury poisoning, which mm. is really kind of 
dramatic and don't feel sorry for me. I did it to myself. Um, what's the number one thing I eat here in Kona a month leading up to the race? It was tuna in the past yeah. years and fish. And so um, back in the winter, actually, before Ironman New Zealand, I went through a, what's called the collation process to get the mercury out of my system. And I was oh. actually very ill for a couple months. And even in New Zealand, I was like coughing and such. And um, when you're you're submerged in salt water and then heat it doesn't add to that um, demise that you already are experiencing in your body and so I have not had fish since January 7th yeah and I, I am not allowed if you will to have it and all right I actually have no interest in it it was such a huge part of my diet however mm-hmm. um, for a year I can't yeah. have it for a year and uh, so I've going to turn into a chicken fairly soon but that's okay <laughs> but I'm just saying that's been a huge part uh, yeah. Even being here, um, I've reacted to the island a lot differently this year, and it could all be in my head. I won't know until October 8th, to be honest. Um, It could all just be some stuff dancing in my head, but that was a really interesting thing uh, to have found out back in the, uh, right after Kona. But like, if you look at my history, what's my normal um, ammo? It's doing terrible in Kona, and then Mm. three weeks later, having one of the best races of of this Mm. calendar in Ironman Arizona. So, that's when the mental side sometimes uh, uh, for all of us athletes if we do bad in a race then the next one we're like geared up to do well so I'll never know but I I will know it'll be really interesting to see I I know people say this you know I'm more concerned about the journey than the outcome Mm. so I just want to feel like myself on Saturday Mm. that's that's the whole thing for me I'm sick of going out and just getting out of the water and I'm not the athlete I was when I went in so Mm. I don't I I'm not looking at a place or I can't sit here and say, oh, I'm going to, I want top five. I want top three. Dude, at this point, I just want to feel like Meredith (laughs) feels in New Zealand and how Meredith feels in Ironman Arizona and such. So that's where I'm sort of really focused. That's where my focus lies. We hear a lot in the, the, the guys talking about the pace line um, mm-hmm. and the guys' races pretty full on. You know, they come out of the swim, yeah. they just drill the start of the bike and then you're in a pace line mm-hmm. trying not to draft and, mm-hmm. and trying not to get busted and it's, it's really challenging. We've seen the, the girls' race change a little bit and you've obviously been in, mm-hmm. in the mix in the past. You know, you've been leading off the bike, you had a seventh place, I know you haven't achieved what you wanted to, but mm-hmm. there seems to be that there's more of a pace line starting to happen in the girls' race as well. I mean, what's it, sure. what's it like for you out there versus versus say other say championship races where it might be say half the number of girls is it, is, what's right it like? and that's one where they say there's literally like t- you know many a handful of girls that can win this race and that's the thing right you have you have your marquee swimmers you have your jody swallows and mm. leandas and 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 many i'm not naming in this sentence but mm. um to come out you also have the girls that 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 have been here in the past and aren't so the dynamic this year um Jody is someone I, I, I do think can outswim a, a lot of us. And, and she, as a friend too, she's someone that if I could even be in her vicinity, that would be amazing because to get to, when I say work with, to be even in her mm. zip code on the bike is always a really good thing. A couple of years ago, I remember riding and trading places, 12 meters was really like mm. a luxury to be in. Uh, so if you can ever get to that point where there's five, six girls, I think we all would work. If, if and I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying me, if, if I have the luxury of being in that position, um, you know, you never like to sit back and just kind of sit 12 meters and, and kind of see what's happening. But I'm sure everyone will be doing that because they know once mm. you return from Javi and you have to still run a marathon, mm. you have to be smart and a little bit tactical. Mm. You, you, it's not a 70.3 and it's not in, you know, 
easy climate. So no. you have to be a little bit more conservative. Less is more in, um, in the beginning. And I've learned that over the years. The one thing I'll say, John, is that I've learned is even though we haven't had our great, yeah, best race here, I've learned so much yeah. each time. So I can take a little knowledge knowing what I've done right and wrong in the past. And we're, um, so we're sitting out at um, just near Manalani, which sure. we, we come out for our camps every year, and you guys on the show will have heard a lot about this in the past. Um, do you always come out here, and why do you come here as yeah. opposed to being in town? Sure. I, we've, I've never stayed in town. Uh, you know what? So we bring our family out here. My, my one thing per year is I like to treat uh, you know, my sister and my niece and nephew and brother-in-law and friends come out, and it helps keep things... Like everyone, we all put so much focus in on, on the race. And when I do best is when I'm in my everyday life and I don't yeah, yeah. take yeah. life. You know, our brand has always been balanced. And maybe that's why I haven't done well in Kona, to be honest, because I haven't put all my eggs in one basket. I still, mm. I don't miss out on things at home and, and mm. important personal things. And so I bring a lot of those people to, to me out here. And mm. so in between sessions and yeah, I know I should be relaxing, and I am in my recovery boots and stuff. But mm. I can go outside and swim with my niece, and mm. and everything. Um, there's an equilibrium, Correct. and I think that makes me happy. And mm. so when I get on the line, and I'm happy, and I haven't used the the word I don't use in in my life, which is sacrifice. If I and and maybe again, that's why mm. I haven't done well here. So I'm not knocking people who do sacrifice things. I'm not mm. knocking them at all. It's just not something that that I want to do. I want to be with my friends and family and not miss out on things. Not saying people do. I'm just saying that um, I've been told, it's been in the past where I've been told that I need to be more of a pro's pro. And Mm. I understand that. And that's a valid statement. But I want to be remembered as, um, and I I say this a lot, as Meredith the person, not Meredith the athlete. Yeah. No, I'm totally uh, with you. I mean, uh, if I've my best races is when I've been in a happy place. Mm-hmm. Everything's good. My yep. shitty races <laughs> is when you're stressing about things. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yes. Um, a couple, I had a couple of questions from some listeners. Now, sure. I had one from Sharon Rose. She said uh, she'd like to ask you a, bit, a little about last year. Uh, she was standing. Or how do you how do you sort of absorb the energy from the crowd? She was standing at the bottom of Palani, Palani on the run, and as you went past, you weren't in a happy place, and uh, you, she called out to you, head up, keep strong, and uh, and you smiled back with her, and she was very impressed with you carrying on finishing despite having a pretty rough day at the office. Mm-hmm. So. You know, how important is it for you to not DNF um, mm-hmm. and, and do you sort of draw from the crowd very much when maybe not in a happy place? Sure. So I feel like you learn. Well, thank you, Sharon, for that question. <laughs> and, and, and I remember those things um, because I think it's important to not only respect the finish line, but honor that finish. There's um, look, I, I don't I don't disregard the fact that Sometimes as pros, we have to make a business decision. Mm. But I walked 16 miles. It wasn't like I was mm. running at seven-minute pace. I mm. just was um, wanted to be sure to honor and respect the finish line. So you learn the most about people when they're down, um, mm. and you, you learn the most about yourself when you're down. And so the fact that people were still cheering for me despite the fact that I had just walked 16 miles, I, I was at the end of that. Mm. I was about to walk a mile into the finish line. So mm. I really appreciate and respect that. And age groupers train. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it was 12.26 or whatever I was mm. last year. You have 17 hours to do the race. So people strive, and people are striving for that 17 hours. I've, I've run people in the finish line at 6.59 and 50 seconds. And yeah. so 
I was consciously thinking about that, and I didn't want to devalue the integrity of the Ironman distance. Did you eat glow sticks or not? I actually didn't because <laughs> the, it was really light. I probably would have if I was any longer out on the Queen K, but yeah. I, I, I was okay without them. Yeah. And now this is a little bit of an off-ball question. Sure. Um, Christopher Sproul wanted to know your top three wine recommendations. <laughs> so you must have some reputation oh. here. In, in where? Where? Oh, in, goodness, we're going regional. Well, I was going to say in California, in New Zealand, in... Let, let's, go, uh, one, one, let's go one from California and one from New Zealand. Okay, well, our, our favorite winery, and gosh, it's hard to choose one. We belong to about seven wine clubs in oh, California. Goodness. But I'd have to say our go-to is, is Martinelli Wine. It's in Russian River by where Vineman um, oh, nice. 70.3 in full is. So we love their Pinots and Zins there. Yeah. In a, well, in Trinity Hill holds a special place oh. in New Zealand because yeah. we go there and um, I literally, I always say, if we win, we're going to go buy a Magnum. <laughs> and though, so then we go out to wine country and, yeah. and, and we've, been fortunate to bring home a magnum each year oh, you've got to come south i know we do south. you're so right yeah <laughs> um now i've got to ask you about your book because i reckon sure. the last time we interviewed you which was a little while ago i think you were talking about your book then and but yes. it's now it's uh, am i right that it's out so yeah. tell us tell us about the book and and what it's about and and who it's sort of pitched at absolutely you're right john back in 2012 we had it written mm. uh, and just I just kept adding to it. So much was going on and so many changes. And then it was like we missed the boat to get it out. And then so much change. You know, I changed sponsors and mm. coaching and so many things. And so uh, basically I spent nine years as an age grouper, mm. right? I'm 38. So I started this when I was 21. And, mm. and speaking of DNFs, you know, Kona will be almost my 60th. I think 59 and Arizona will be Ooh. 60. But I wish I could say 62 or 3, but I, yeah. I have DNF'd 4, yeah. where I literally passed out, else I would have tried to walk. <laughs> um, yeah. But having spent nine years as an age grouper and navigated through work and mm. life and normalcy, I felt like it's basically a Cliff Notes version. It's the, the crap you didn't know about triathlon, and mm. it's stuff that I learned um, it's not about my journey, or and then I we won this race, and the, it's not about that. It's yeah. it's really the cliff note version of the everything you didn't know to try to help you succeed, and mm -hmm. it's stuff I wish I would have known mm. that I learned either the hard way or whatnot. And I want to help people. That's that's what I want to help them be able to thrive mm. um, without passing out at mile 22 mm. of an Ironman because you've had too much of this or not yeah. enough of that. And so <clears throat> that's the main purpose of our Life of a Triathlete. That's the first uh, series, which is more is, is geared towards age groupers, right? Yeah. Um, race preparation, but also pros. I mean, there's chapters on for women on our monthly friends. I mean, there's everything in that book. We have also have written currently that we're still just tweaking a Life of a Triathlete business side. And so that does gear kind of gives you a lens into a pro's life, which mm. age groupers often don't oh, yeah. get. Yeah. I get asked all the time, so you just swim, bike, and run all day? Mm. You're like, yeah, that's all I do <laughs> yeah. all day. People don't realize that it's a business, and I, and I respect that. I didn't know either. I didn't know how much went into sponsorships, but it's just like a job, the business side, recovery. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so many things go into it, and people have no idea, so... I want to help people learn it mm. and we have to treat it like a business and you develop your brand and you, you have your cover letter and your Ironman mm. resume and there's so many things. And so the business 
we'll launch that a little bit later. And I want to keep adding to these manuals as I learn and grow. I can help others learn and grow. So that's the, the so, main theme. So in terms of where people get this from, so is, is it a hardcover book or yep. is it more of a, um, a, a downloadable PDF sure. or, or is it option option of it's either? It's both. Um, mm. What's funny is, so it's both. It, you can download it on Amazon or purchase it via uh, hard paperback on um, on Amazon either. You cool. can also download it on iTunes and the mm-hmm. Google, all that good stuff. So it's um, pretty simple there. And it's funny, Steph Hansen from What's Up, she goes, um, could you just read it on audio? That would be great. Because, you know, in busy, it's actually a good point. Now and then, nowadays, people... Yeah. Have, are so busy in life and yeah. everything's so electronic it would be nice maybe as you're going for a ride I can read the book to you so that's a good idea for the next one yeah <laughs> um, now I've got to ask you about your, your biking because sure. um, I've seen you ride before and you ride like a bloody weapon and you go fast <laughs> and, and I think I saw um, one of your your files mm-hmm. on training peaks maybe once before mm-hmm. as well whether it was Kona or elsewhere um, you, you push a big gear on the bike and, and mm-hmm. I think your average cadence at one of the races that I saw was in the 70s and it mm-hmm. might even be low 70s mm-hmm. is that uh, an intentional you know you're following a methodology or is that just the way that you've ridden and that's just what you do <laughs> that is genuinely my organic mm. cadence that's just what I'm most comfortable like if you put me on a bike at 150 watts I'm more comfortable at 75 cadence mm-hmm. than you put me at 300 watts I'm more comfortable at that cadence what's funny is I think because I do a lot of my training indoors I get used to pushing a big gear whereas when because then when I go outside I'll look down and my rpm is actually higher than it is indoors and I think that translates but I'm I just feel I can push a bigger gear even in aero position climbing sometimes it's just my more of my comfort zone um, as soon as I go above 85 I'm like where am I whoa this is just this is just too crazy so I'm just most comfortable there organically because you, you, your running cadence I haven't got any stats mm-hmm. on it but your running cadence seems to be reasonably high you sort of seem to be an efficient little you sort of yeah. got a faster yeah. high knees and quick yeah. stuff and especially lately because with, with my hamstring stitch I was like ooh it hurts to glide more but in my swimming cadence if you yeah. look at that I get made fun of all the time that you know in a pool People say I take like 10 strokes before the flag, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I yeah. do. So I have a really high um, run and swim cadence and a really slow bike cadence. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think about when you're on the run? So let me, let's sure. maybe put Kona to one side because you know, yeah. I've had my challenges out here as well and I yes. know what it's like when you're in that place is uh, <laughs> all sorts. But, but when you're having a good day, you know, when yeah. you're in Taupo and things are going mm-hmm. good, I'm sure it's still really hard, but what do you sort of focus on to, mm-hmm. to, get, to keep, keep things going when the tough gets right. going? Well, what I love about Taupo, as you know, the three-loop mm. run course is epic. But also, when you asked about the crowds, as I remember at the pre-dinner speech this past year, um, I, I talked about the word gumption and its importance to me. And then two, three days later or whatnot at the race, I'm not joking, there were the, the crowd, the community, literally there were three signs out that said, give it some gumption, like I had said, or <laughs> nice. keep your chi. I'm all about everybody keeping their chi and only surrounding themselves with those who enrich their life. And they actually listened to, to what I said in the schools and at the welcome yeah. dinner. And I really appreciated that. And honestly, I remember I, I had just said to you earlier that I, I was sort of in pain during that, um, that Ironman New Zealand this, this past year. And I think the, the crowd out there really fuels you but what also fuels me when you ask when I'm in that goth dark dungeon vampire dungeon I like to call it is I I guess I think about those that can't so those that would sort of I mean and it sounds cliche or cheesy or call it what you want but those that 
like either physically can't or maybe it's a training partner that was injured or and can't compete but like those that would dream of being able to tow the line and I'll be thinking of that on October mm. 8th those that would that missed their qualification they got six and only the top five go and it didn't roll down like they dream of this opportunity mm. and so those of us that are starting we have that opportunity so mm. We sort of need to capitalize on it. And so when you're down in the dumps on the run, and I create a lot of shelves in my brain, and they're called compartmentalization shelves, and you just have to compartmentalize the pain and pull from the good shelves on the other side of your brain where the happy thoughts, the people in your life. Um, I also know what it's like when I can't compete, having been injured. I've, this is not my first rodeo. I've had my share of bike crashes, injuries, where I haven't been able to toe the line. And I think it's important that we remember what it feels like when we can't also mm. and now we are so it's like was it windy as heck today out there on the bike yeah and did i want to stop my bike and turn around and go back to my hotel the answer to that question is yes mm. but you remember like why you're here and people would love to be feeding it in the wind today so yeah. that actually was a thought today in case i forget for the campers who yes. are listening to this um, <laughs> meredith has informed me that today was pretty windy uh, so we had our first day of our camp and uh they were complaining about the wind and i said oh it's about average, but apparently it was a little bit above average. So. Above, for sure. <laughs> Very good. Now, when I walked in here, I saw this uh, fancy bike through the windscreen and uh, through the, the door, and uh, there's about three lined up over there. You've got to tell <laughs> us, um, give your sponsor a little bit of, bit of love Absolutely. and um, tell us a bit about those bikes because they're bloody sure. funky looking. So this is this, you know, the bike this year that I've I've ridden, and, and my first race on it was uh, Ironman New Zealand. Yeah. And. I had just gotten it. I just signed with Ventum, and who is also the official bike sponsor of Ironman World Championships. So that's oh, very, very nice. cool. Um, you know, they're a company started by Dia Noir, and, and they are out in Miami, Florida, so in the States. And it's just, what I love about it is it's going to be big. It, it, so to start, though, with it when it's super grassroots and authentic, mm. and as you know, like Leanne Cave being on it, and she's mm. always, she's a legend in the sport. Mm. Um, just it's such a bike that has so much thought Jimmy Sear um, who's a pro he mm -hmm. uh, he built the bike and designed it and did oh, so much nice. to it and so he has just there's so much thought that goes into the bike of uh, um, you know it of, of the efficiency of the aerodynamics and it's been a really good bike for us I, mm. in my career I've ridden a lot this I want to say this is my fifth bike and I can't envision it any other way so mm. um, they did customize this one for um, for us for Kona um, has my favorite word gumption on it and then it has the initials of, of everybody um, important to me in my life so I can uh, carry them with me on um, on good. the journey yeah cool <laughs> I'll have a, we'll have a picture maybe up on our Facebook sure. page if you guys want to check it out um, but it looks very funky um, <laughs> anything else you want to get out there in terms of what you've been doing or if people want to follow you or any news you've got or anything like that absolutely sure I mean what we just did before is is thank you for asking about the book you know that's a lot of years of um, of knowledge that I did want to share with people so I'd love you can follow um, you can go to Life of Triathlete. I didn't want to make the website Life of <laughs> Life of a Triathlete because mm. it looks like Life of Fat Triathlete ah. if you look at the website. <laughs> so the actual website is Life of Triathlete, and it has resources um, for, for people. It has my checklist on it on nice. the website. of You can just press print and print out, and I mean, it's just lists I, I created of oh, what I need to remember to bring to a race. I still print it out and mm, use it to this mm. day. Little resources like that. Um, and 
really that's been the main focus to get out, but also in the pointy end of my career, you know, I'm, I'm no spring chicken. I'm 38 years old and uh, this is, you know, as I'm approaching almost my 60th, I'm just really um, relishing in being able to do this and, and I want to make sure that like, the age, age groupers know that if this is your first or your 20th or your 60th, whatever Ironman that is going to be, if you do not finish, if something goes wrong in the day, I heard Ironman Chattanooga was mm, crazy wow. with a big DNF rate and, and, and that's terrible, but the way I've always said is there, and, and I know this is easier said than done and certainly easier for pros to just chime in another Ironman, but there mm. is another Ironman down the road and when that day comes it'll be so worth it all the hard work and sacrifice if if you and understandably when I say sacrifice I am not a parent yet by the way so I'm sure that if I was a parent and I hope to be one someday mm. you're you, of course you're gonna have to sacrifice time whether that's sleep whether that's you know little things like that so yeah, that's pretty much stuff. it but it's been a fun to be here and just be healthy and um you know, toying with injury this year was, was you have highs and lows and is this injury ever going to get better? And so just to be able to have properly prepared, I am banking on muscle memory and Excellent. 60 Ironmans in my legs. Yeah. I am banking on a little of that to come out to play. Um, and I've just, in my older years, learned less is a little more. Don't come out here and just start feeding it for the first <laughs> week as that's, that's crushed me in the past. And then I get yeah. out there on race day and I'm I'm sleepy and I want to not be racing. So it's been an uh, interesting change this year. And I'm, I'm, I could sit here with you on October 9th and it could have all gone the same as last year, but I, yeah. I hope it doesn't. Fantastic. Excellent. Uh, and website, if anybody wants to follow you, we've got the, the yeah, life, sure. life of the um, triathlete um, website, but in, Twitter, did you Twitter is just well? at MB Kessler, MB as in boy Kessler, and website is meredithkessler.com. Fantastic. I love uh, interacting with, with the community, so right. always feel free to contact me uh, via my website or any outlet. I'm happy to respond, and, and I look forward to meeting everybody at the races. Fantastic. <laughs> and in Taupo. Come on, guys. Yes. Get out there. <laughs> Great. Rightio, guys. Uh, first episode of being in Kona, and thankfully it is just about 100 metres down from where I'm staying. We're down in Waikoloa, and I've got Andy I'm going to see if I can get the pronunciation right. Bershala, pretty close? Yeah, pretty close. Coming come a little bit closer. Um, right, so yeah, first interview in Kona. Uh, I've been here less than 12 hours, but we're into it. So Andy, last year, well not last year, you had an eighth in Kona in 2011, um, but this year you've kind of ripped it up with a 7.53 at Ironman Germany. Um, first up, wh why do you come and stay down here in, in Waikoloa than being in town? Um Actually, the first time that I stayed down here um, was in 2011. Yeah. So um, that was my most successful Kona, and I had good experiences here, but it was kind of unintentionally. So yeah. I had like a travel agent, and they booked something, and then <laughs> kind of on the second look, I realized it was not in Kona. Yeah. But um, afterwards, I kind of liked the idea to stay down here, and I enjoy it here a lot because... Um, like it's much easier to to get out on on the road like you have just one traffic light and like running is also like the, it's the i mean it's everywhere the same on the queen k yeah and just i mean the swimming i go to the mauna lani yep 25 meter yeah it's 25 meters but it's also 25 dollars so <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> oh. yeah but i mean like i swim like 
once uh, in the pool and once uh, open water. Yeah. So at the end, I mean, I go swim like three or four times at Mauna Lani because yeah. sometimes I'm in Kona, so I can go to the aquatic center. Nice. Now, are you from the same town or same area as uh, Sebastian Keenlay? Uh, we live like one hour apart. Oh, so right. So you're not part of a. You, have, you, have you always been rivals with him, or is it you guys training partners or anything like that? Because I know in Germany you ended up racing pretty hard together. Um, we of course <laughs> we already raced as juniors. Yeah. Like, but he was already winning everything. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, actually, we have the same coach. Oh, nice, Lubos Spielek. So. Um, Lubos used to live uh, very close to my house, so um, sometimes Sebastian would stay with Lubos. Mm -hmm. But now Lubos has moved to Switzerland, and and then um, Sebastian is um, in spring. He's in the US, mm. and I prefer to stay in Europe. So it's kind of gone like in two different ways. So you said you used to race Sebastian as a junior. How long have you been at triathlon, sort of full time? Um, like full time, maybe eight years, yeah. nine years. Yeah. And before that, were you swimmer kid, uh, runner, or just tri triathlon pretty much from the beginning? Um, no, I started with mountain biking, but just like um, when it came up, I was like 14, 15 years. And I mean, we would basically just ride up the mountain so we could go downhill yeah yeah, yeah. and um, there was nothing competitive with it so and then like with 18 years I, I did a mountain bike marathon nice and it was good fun and then yeah I wanted to stay fit in winter and then started to like swim some laps because the weather was ugly outside and then I met some tri triathletes and then yeah I kind of liked them and uh, started to train with them. And then was just, uh, I had to learn running. Yeah. Which, which uh, took me quite a while. Well, you certainly nailed it this year at Germany. In Germany this year, was there much of an uproar about having zero guys at the Olympics? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like, you know, I got a bit. Um, into the mess because I made like a Facebook post oh. which said uh, like it wasn't during the qualification period and I said uh, if you're like going to give the, the tickets to anyone like I, I take one <laughs> <laughs> if, if no one wants to go I go but it was just a joke so yeah um, but the like the Olympic guys they got a little bit mad at me <laughs> 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 yeah I mean it's sad but um, I think the federation I mean they some mistakes like at first like preparing the athletes so they could fulfill the criterias and then I think with the Olympic committee they um, set up the criterias too high mm. so at the end like no one would go although they had like two mm. slots for the men and I mean two girls went but they had like three girl slots mm. so I think pff, was yeah pretty confusing well, you're certainly doing good at long course. Tell us about your Kona progression because you had eighth in 2011. What was your sort of build up to to that race? Did you had any races here before 2011, and how had they gone? Uh, yeah, in in 2009, I um, 
actually was disqualified. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I mean, it was, <laughs> was my first race here. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, it's pretty, like, it's a mess when you have, like, 30 guys yeah. all on adrenaline and going fast. And then, um, I don't know what the first yellow card was, but the second was, like, I mean, I was overtaking yeah. and then I was just not, like, I mean, I was a little bit intimidated, like the first yeah. time here, and then um, I didn't dare to go to the very front, so I slipped into a uh, too small um, okay. gap. Yeah, yeah. So I got another yellow card. So <laughs> that was not like the ah. best experience. And then in 2010, um, I was on Team Abu Dhabi with Ferris. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I was not making a lot of money and there were like 5,000 grants, uh, $5,000 for the yeah. Timex bonus. Yes. So I went for that and then obviously this ruined my pacing. You Did you go for the, the start of the bike or the end of the bike or the start of the It run? was like 50 kilometers into yeah. the bike. Yeah. And so at the end I ran like 355 marathon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was like the... Two years before the 2011. Yeah. And 2011, was that a fantastic race? Were you, did that all go to plan? Or, or was there still, were you, you know, still finish that race and think, oh, I, I can do better than this? Um, I think there was nothing special about it. Mm. But um, like in the retro perspective, like I would say that's like the best case if there's, uh, I mean, it was not magic, but I could like transfer all the training mm -hmm. into a solid performance. So I think now I know how difficult it is to like transfer the training into a mm. solid race day. Um, and I know you've had, you had a really bad bike crash. You had a, a 20th last year. Has it been a bit of a rocky road since 2011? Yeah. Like I thought like I had like triathlon in the bag. It's yeah, yeah. all so easy and, like next year I'm going to, um, yeah, like progress more and win more. And at the end I uh, killed myself. Yeah. So yeah. I had overtraining and then I had like some injuries. And then, yeah, I mean, then the bike crash. And mm. I mean, suddenly five years are gone like mm. <laughs> from, from being eighth and then had a bad race and then didn't qualify and then... I was injured and then yeah like last year uh, I think I over raced a bit during the season yeah so suddenly like I mean you have like four years no results so. mm, mm. Yeah. this this year you've turned things around so you know we've seen you before having really strong bike rides and being right in contention um, but this year you did that in Germany and then you managed to have a fantastic run, a run and be 7.53, which is, you know, you take um, Frodo's time out of the equation, it's one of the, you know, right up there, one of the fastest times we've ever seen. Um, what made the difference this year? Um, the difference um, for um, 2.15 was, um, in 2.15 I had started with zero points in May. Mm. So I had, like, I focused on the 70.3s before um, Frankfurt mm -hmm. because I needed to, like, have some points mm. so that Frankfurt would uh, 
a good race in Frankfurt would make me qualify. Mm. And like this year, I just trained for Frankfurt mm -hmm. and raced the 70.3s to get fit for Frankfurt. Mm. So the whole um, focus was different. Mm. And then um, I also changed my nutrition um, to high fat. Nice. We got lots and of people who do the high fat diet and listen to the show. So, so how, how how have you changed that? And in your racing, how have you changed your nutrition as well as your general um, diet? In yeah, of course. Like I talked to someone and kind of made sense to me with high fat. And then of course, like you, you are kind of okay. Now I go high fat, and then like after two weeks, you realize it's it's not working. Like to change it immediately. Yeah. So then I had to take a step back and then uh, slowly change it to less carbs and more fat mm. and like um, race day and also like the race uh, the day before the race I do the same nutrition but I realized like in the gel bottles like when they used to be empty there's still like two thirds mm. left mm. so I was able to reduce the, the carbo mm. need in the race which Fantastic. is like, I mean, that's a, that's a big factor in distance racing. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was I, have, I haven't got your run time in front of me for Germany. What did you, you must have run a pretty solid run split. Yeah, it was 2.45. Nice. On the bike, do you ride with power or do you ride to, to when you're racing, do you ride with power? And, and what about in training? And if, if in racing, what were you pumping out in, uh, in, in Frankfurt? Um, I train with power, with Quark. Yeah. But um, I never race with power, mm. so and I don't look at it afterwards, so I don't even record it. Mm. So um, you know, I I tried to to race with power like five years ago, and I never had a good race mm. because like I mean, if you feel good, like you feel good, and when you feel bad, like you I mean doesn't help much when your power meter tells you you now you feel bad. It's yeah. Like yeah. okay, I know I feel bad, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for, shut up. For, for, <laughs> our, for our guys that love their numbers out there, do you know what your current FTP is? Ballpark? Uh, no, I've no, no idea. No. Like Lubos, uh used to tell me, like, have you ever seen results with a heart rate? Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I don't care if you win, like, with 300 watts or 280 or 320. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Good. <laughs> love the attitude. Um, now you said you've done your last um, hard workout today or last long one. What, what, what did you do today for your, So where are we now? Today's uh, Friday, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday the week um, week before. So what was your last hard workout? Yeah, yesterday was my last hard yeah. workout. So I did uh, four hours on the bike, mm -hmm. including three times thirty minutes um, Ironman pace. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I mean basically like really Ironman pace like um, not going as hard as I could like mm. but now like uh, limiting it to 300 watts mm -hmm. and then I had a little brick run like mm -hmm. eight kilometers but mm. just easy and what about during the main part of the your build-up what are, do you have any sort of really key workouts where you go this I've really got to nail this or or is your training based around just consistent laying out the same sort of week every week um no, I think if you have a week that you would like to repeat, then it's already the wrong way. Mm. So basically, um, we try to 
do things differently. So I, I like to have my routine change. I mean, if you train somewhere else and suddenly you have to swim in the evening because in the morning it's closed. Mm. So that's a nice impact tool. Like it throws, um, kind of overthrows every routine you have. Mm. But um, like we we also like um, to to train very short and hard. Like mm -hmm. I run 400s and 1Ks and mm. like I do one minute repeats on the bike. Mm -hmm. Like go as hard as you can for like 10 times one minute mm. or like three times 30 minutes. Um, but um, I'm not a bit big friend of long intervals because mm. uh, I think they kind of draw a lot of energy from you. Mm. Uh, in Germany, what's it like for you when you've got Fredino, Keenley, Raylert, you know, uh, on some rankings there, first, second, third. What's it like for the rest of you guys in terms of trying to get exposure and sponsors and stuff? Do they help lift the bar for all the rest of you guys and actually there is a market for you? Or how do you sort of go about things when they're, they're such um, such big names? Um, I mean, in Frankfurt, it was pretty nice to, to be that close. So we had kind of had a... 50-50 coverage mm -hmm. because it was so close so on the main TV coverage they uh, just split the screen in two screens and nice. had me and Sebastian running yeah so that was good because normally like the, uh, the winner takes all the coverage yeah. so that was nice um, but I mean distance triathlon in Germany is really booming like we have the new race in Hamburg and we have Jan Frodeno as like the sportsman of, yeah. of the year and I think that's pretty good. Yeah. But also like you have to, I mean, you have to find a good mixture bef between like racing against Keenley and Frodeno, but also like as you're securing some wins. So yeah, yeah. yeah but there are, there are so many races, I mean. New Ironman, where's the new one? Um, Hamburg, Ham Hamburg, New Ironman yeah. Hamburg, yeah. yeah. Um, tell us about your sponsors then. Row Motor Oil. How do, how do you get a, a motor oil company sponsoring a triathlete? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, um, the guy who owns the company. Yeah. He is a friend of uh, ex-training partner. Yeah. So um, after Frankfurt last year, this guy called me and like yeah. uh, wanted to talk with me about sponsoring. And so... Great. Um, but they have a history in triathlon. Yeah. And it was really good to um, finally get someone who wants just like I want the logo and I will give you like real money yeah, yeah yeah and also like the difference for Frankfurt this year and for the whole season was that um, my wife is a is a doctor and she worked half time mm -hmm. and now like with the beginning of the new year she she quit working mm. to support me great and I mean that made such a big difference like um, you feel much better in training and um, I mean also like racing I, I mean it used to be like I would go and drive to a race in Europe on Thursday and then uh, relax in the hotel and like recover from my life yeah, and then yeah. race on Sunday and now it's like different like I can drive down to a race relaxed and yeah. recovered and then race hard and then go home to recover great and S2 water treatment systems, what, what, what do they do? Yeah, they um, they um, clean water. Yeah. So they have different filters. 
and actually these two companies they they work together nice yeah so these are my two main sponsors great and so if people want to follow you what what are you, you mentioned before your your facebooker or twitter or what, what's the best way for people to follow follow your progress um yeah actually the the rover motor oil guys they set up a new facebook page for me great and um, i'm also on twitter and instagram yeah but i'm happy to for every new follower because um yeah yeah I mean, I don't have so many followers. Yet. No, get on it. Right? So it, just in terms of your expectations for the race, I try to avoid the, the cheesy questions, but, you know, it's it's a really tough race when there's lots of different dynamics going on. You talked about the different people slamming the bike and there being the big lineups. So what's your sort of approach to, to the day? I mean, you probably don't want to tell the, the world what you're going to do, but um, is it, you know, really pushing the bike hard or what have you learned from Frankfurt that you can bring across to Kona? Yeah, I mean, Frankfurt was a big step in self-confidence um, looking at my run. Mm. So I think, like, now I can react... Um, during all three disciplines mm. so um i think the good thing is i can be more flexible like i don't have to decide today if i want to go hard on the bike mm. and then like hang on on the run or like i can Cover decide in the race what to do mm. fantastic uh, we look forward to seeing your progress and knocking off the big big name germans in front of you get fredino See how he goes. Everybody's saying he went didn't, went too hard and wrote, and maybe maybe he's going to run out of steam. So uh, we look forward. What what uh, questions we often ask? Um, if you were to run a marathon, uh, train for a marathon for say three or four months, just running, what do you th- what sort of time do you think you could run? To twenty three. Great. Do you wax or shave? Uh, shave. Oh, and do you use facial products? No. Good. We're getting getting close. Here we go. We're bringing back our three (laughs) favourite questions. Fantastic. All the very best for your your race, and uh, we look forward to seeing you out on race day. Thank you for having me. Great. Okay, a name that I reckon might go under the radar a little bit, but probably shouldn't do, because he finished in 11th place last year in Kona, and what a lot of people probably don't know is he had the fastest run split of the day, Mm. 2.49. Wow. David McNamee, um, former... ITU powerhouse, so we're hitting all the uh, the Great Britain powerhouses. So welcome along to the show, David. Thank you very much. Now, um, third at Lanzarote this season, behind Frodo and um, and Jesse Thomas, and eleventh in Kona last year. Did that? We had actually had um, Will Clark on. I'm not sure if his interview will come on before or after this. He says he does not want to finish at 11th place. He wants 10 or 10 or above. I mean, last year you got 11th. Were you, were you happy with your race and, and at the same time pissed off you didn't get into top 10? Uh, yeah, I think sort of 11th, especially here, is the most sort of frustrating place. It's sort of obviously everybody only remembers the top 10 and prize money goes top 10 and all the photos are of the top 10. And yeah, to come 11th and I think there was less than a minute between me and 10th. Uh, but yeah, I gave it everything I had. Definitely, I walked away sort of happy with what I did. Uh, but again, yeah, nobody wants to finish 11th. Did you know you were in 11th at the time? Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I knew I was in 11th. I saw 10th place, but there was nothing I could do. It's, <laughs> that that the last 20 minutes is just about putting one foot in front of the other. It's yeah. By that point, 
I don't think many people are racing, it's just surviving. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, you come from an ITU background, so your swim's good and your run's great. Last year, you rode 4.45. Did you just struggle on the bike or did you have any issues on the bike? Uh, I think my biggest problem last year was I tried to sort of hang on at the start. I think I did 70, 75 k's with like the front group. And I think then I had like 30, 40 kilometers where I was just blown. And it's amazing when you blow up, you lose time so quickly, especially I got to the bottom of high V and I was tired by the bottom. Uh, so I think from the bottom to the top, I probably lost five minutes in that small stretch. Uh, so I think that was, I think my biggest problem last year was that Heck, after 70Ks, I was with the front group still, and last year I wasn't a good enough cyclist to be there, but sort of my racing instinct sort of, yeah, got the better of me, and I was sort of, yeah. <laughs> Have you changed your training this year to adapt to that, or are you going to change your strategy? Because we know that the pace goes on pretty quick at the beginning, and you can either go with it or hope for the best, like you did last year, or you can drop off and just do your race. So have you changed your training, or are you just hoping that another year in the bank on the bike you'll be a bit better? I think just another year in the bank, sort of. Training's changed, obviously, this year, sort of. I've been doing a lot more race intensity work. Uh, last year was my first year doing long course, so... A lot of last year was spent just getting used to being in the time trial position, really. Uh, jumping straight from a road bike to a TT bike isn't easy. Uh, so last year, I think, yeah, I spent so long trying to get the setup correct that sort of the training suffered. Uh, so this year, it's been sort of a lot more consistent. But again, I think if the sort of Uber bikers go for it hard from the start, yeah, this year I'll be a bit more conservative. I've seen that sort of here it's really the back half of the race that sort of tells. Uh, yeah, you can be out of contention after 90Ks in the bike but find yourself back in the mix towards the end. And Yeah, that was one of the big lessons I learned last year. You know, you've come from ITU. What are some of the lessons that you may have learnt that you wouldn't have maybe seen that you could have learnt until you are in this world? Uh, I think uh, for sure pacing. Uh, in ITU you just go for it you go hard and you hang on for dear life and I think switching over I knew sort of yeah I need to be more conservative but it wasn't until I did my first Ironman last year that I realised actually even messing up for 5-10 minutes early on in the race sort of by going too hard I couldn't believe how much he paid for it towards the end uh, it's something Unless you experience it, you can't really appreciate it. Even if people tell you, like, no, nah, no, nah, it's okay, I'm, I, I'm a fit guy, you know, I can sort of handle it. But, yeah, I think that was sort of the fundamental lesson I learned last year was it's eight, eight and a half hours long. You mess up for five minutes early on and you're going to pay for it the last two or three hours. Yeah. You ran 2.49, which was the fastest split of the day. Did you have a great run? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to... I mean, did, I, you know, you could probably go and run a, two, a sub, sub 220 um, and 2.48 eight is... Uh, 2.49 is 4-minute Ks, which for UITU guys is a bit of a joke. So did it go as well as it could, or what do you think you potentially could run here if you have the, a blitzing day? Uh, I think this year it's, it all depends on the weather. Mm. Uh, last year, I think... 
apart from a quick toilet stop, it went sort of perfect. Uh, I got the pacing right last year. I never faded really. Obviously, sort of the last eight, ten k's, everybody slows down a touch. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think last year, I think blowing up early on in the bike, I sort of recovered by the end, and I'd learned a really harsh lesson on the bike. And I was like, okay, well, here's the one. Sort of, let's be conservative down alley drive. And for me, yeah, sort of running four kilometre pace sort of feels very comfortable at the start of the marathon. Mm. Uh, but yeah, last year I made sure that, yeah, I stuck to the pace early on in the run and I think I'll do the same this year. Uh, I think if I can follow a similar tactic to the run last year, then I'm on for a good day. Coming from ITU, where you're surrounded by other pro athletes all the time, you know, you guys are connecting, you know, quite a few times throughout the year, to going to the Ironman world where you don't really race a lot and you don't tend to see competitors a huge amount, what's that been like for you? It's definitely a completely different world. So at ITU, you'd see, you would race against the same guys like 10, 12 times a year. You would know exactly what shape people were in. Whereas an Ironman, like people like Sebastian Keenley, I haven't seen for a year. Yeah. like I don't know yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you sort of see them and you're like god they are all looking good <laughs> uh, so I think that's the thing in ITU you see everyone you sort of get to know sort of how they are tactically and sort of you can sort of see signs you can tell if someone's struggling whereas in Ironman because people race sort of a lot more sparringly especially against each other like I don't know sort of what Sebi looks like when he's fatigued on the run Whereas in ITU, you sort of learn these tales. So, yeah, I suppose Iron Man, yeah, it's a completely different animal in that sense. Um, if, you, if you turn onto a lead drive on Saturday, irrespective of what place you're in, and, and maybe your teammate Will or something there is, is struggling on the side of the road, are you going to put your arm around him and take him down the finishing <laughs> ship? <laughs> uh, I don't know, especially with Will. Me and Will both come from ITU, and we've had a couple of sprint finishes in the past, and I've never actually beaten him in a sprint finish. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I'll maybe maybe I'll finally get my revenge if that <laughs> happens. Yeah. Um, now, just in terms of your racing this year, I couldn't find many results. I mean, you had the third in Lanzarote against Frodo and Jesse Thomas, and I think I saw one or maybe two 70.3s in there. Has it been a pretty thin season, or have you been doing some other stuff that maybe doesn't come up in the, the main sort of results? Uh, yeah, I've only raced five times this year. So mm. I did two 70.3s. Lanzarote obviously and just two challenge races, mm-hmm. the challenge Poznan and challenge Galway uh, for me this year I knew I had to sort of train more and race less mm. last year was my first year I did three Ironmans I did maybe four or 5.70.3 events last year as well and I got to the end after Hawaii just mentally and physically sort of destroyed, I'd been sort of going full gas the whole year and to do three Ironmans in your first season of doing any sort of long course like I hadn't did 70.3 races before last year (laughs) so to do that obviously I had a great result in Hawaii last year but it definitely took its toll on me and even when I got back into training November, December I was still sort of struggling to sort of my body was still coming to terms of what I'd been asking of it the whole year The joys of getting a good finish in Kona means you can just plan plan your year a little bit better Oh for sure I think obviously the points you don't have to worry as much about qualifying for next year and yeah you can pick and choose a lot more and heck it's the world championships you should be rewarded for coming here and performing mm. if you would have a great day on saturday what would, what would that mean for you uh i think 
if I was to get into top 10, I think, yeah, if you can come top 10 at the World Championship, second year in the sport, then that'd be a great sort of benchmark to work on. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's sort of about just delivering the best performance. It's tough. There's 50 plus awesome guys in the start line and you don't know who's going to have a great day, who's going to have a bad day. It's it's so variable that, yeah, I think, yeah, I've learned just to focus on myself. Is there any um, side bets out there if you get um, checked by Rennie on the run? Like, does anybody, uh, does anybody have any side bets? Because they should be because... Well, because most people would lose it. Yeah. Most people would. Uh, oh, for sure. I, obviously, she's phenomenal when it comes to the run. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would sort of be a bit of an ego blow if that happened, you know. Uh, yeah, I think most of the men will probably get beat by her on the run. Uh, but, yeah, you accept it and, yeah. Don't know, maybe somebody's got a wager on it. Uh, <laughs> and if people want to follow what, you, what you're up to in terms of your progress and stuff, where's the best place for them to do that? Is it through the, the team site? Is it through social media? What's, what's sort of your channels for getting your news out there? I think sort of the BMC Ethics website's always good. It's always sort of up to date, but also sort of follow me on Twitter and Instagram and mm-hmm. yeah, just the normal social media channels. What's, uh, your, what's your Twitter Twitter handle? It's at David McNamee Try. Easy. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, uh, what, are, what are the chances of getting a Great Britain podium over here? I mean, you've got Tim Don. You're, you're got almost your not allowed to because you're bloody, you're, you're dominating your other aspect of the sport. You yeah. Can't, you can't get <laughs> this one as well. You've got Tim, Tim Don, yourself, Will Clark, Joe Skipper. Anybody else? Mm. Can't think of anybody yeah. else off the top of my head. Uh, but, uh, yeah, pretty, well, strong lineup. Our men have always been embarrassing compared to, like, our women mm. have did fantastic yeah. here. Yeah. But the men, I think, yeah, fifth place is the best we've ever got. So, yeah, I think we have chances this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of German and American guys here. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so okay. we'll see. Fantastic. So it's David McMee. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And we are on. Righty ho. Unfortunately, we have a non-racer here. She finished... We've actually got non-racers in second and third from last year. So last year, Joycey came second and Ms Blatchford came third. She swam 56, rode 507 and ran a 306, um, but unfortunately not racing this year. So tell us, uh, tell us the story, Liz. Yeah, I actually was suffering an injury last year during the race. Um, it had been bugging me for months leading in, but I managed to get through Kona last year. It was a torn plantar fascia, which I didn't... Mm. Yeah, torn. Yeah, so I didn't realise it was torn. I thought it was just kind of sore and tight, and got to the scan after the race and found out there was a tear there. Took a few months off at that point and got back to running in around January, only to be probably three months into running. So around April, it started to get sore again, and sure enough, in May another scan revealed another tear. So since May of you know, I had you know, this limited period to get through an Ironman to revalidate, requalify to come back and I just wasn't able to get it right in time and late July I had to make that decision that it wasn't going to happen this year and haven't run now since May, just starting back running right now. How's it been emotionally? Yeah, absolute roller coaster. It was really, um, you know, I wasn't always the happiest person I think until I made that decision late July that and realised it wasn't going to happen and at that point... I think, you know, released that pressure and was allowing myself the time to heal the injury properly. So since July I've been a bit better, but um, until then it was just like, why is this, you know, taking so long? And, um, yeah, I felt like I was doing the right things and it just wasn't responding. Um, 
whilst this all absolutely sucks, big picture, does sometimes having a bit of time out maybe th- make things, I mean, always trying to put Always a, look on, on the bright <laughs> do, you, do you feel like you, it may be helping you recharge the batteries a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think my body was telling me something. A- apart from the foot, I had a few other little niggles going on and... Look, Ironman racing's tough. I've done three Ironmans a year since I started doing Ironman three years ago. So I've, in three years' time, I, I got through nine Ironmans, and I think that just took its toll. And this year, the body just sort of making me stop. I'm just hoping, like you say, that's there's going to be a silver lining, I guess, and I'll be recharged. And I know if anything else, I'll be motivated for sure, and I'll be grateful and appreciative of being able to race next year. What's it going to mean in terms of quite trying to get... Because we had... Um, was it Will or David? I can't remember. One of them was saying, you know, first year coming to Kona, it's a bit of a challenge getting here. you kind of got a, you got zero points in the bank. So what's... Assuming all goes to plan, what is your plan going to be to, to be back here next year in terms of making sure you get enough points and you're not having to do three Ironmans? Well, um, yeah, sorry. I haven't actually done three Ironmans and Kona. I've, yeah. I've done two Ironmans and and Kona Um, and it's actually served me well like the racing itself I feel like the Ironman racing makes me stronger and it's served me well to race well here in Kona so as good or bad as that is for my body it's what's made me perform here Mm. so that's probably you know it may may or may not need to do the two races if I perform well at championship like Cairns um, then I might not need to but I've had times before where I haven't needed to but I have still gone and done an that second Ironman eight weeks before Kona because it serves me well so yeah look I'll first first step is getting the body right getting back to some good running um, and then I'll start to plan a season around that you know like you obviously running has been limited this year but you can use it as a chance to develop a strength in other areas so what has been the focus of your training in the last nine months for a while there I had to really lay off the biking as well it was to the point where my foot was so inflamed that everything was hurting it, pushing off the wall in the pool, um, riding. So, yeah, look, I had a few months where I just, you know, really pulled back on everything and been in the gym a lot, um, a lot of rehabbing the foot, lower leg, and even just core stability and glutes and that sort of thing because, as we know, everything's related. So, you know, there's been a lot of focus on that, and I think that will serve me well. And, um, yeah, as the foot's getting better, I'm getting back into everything. So what do you think is um, going to happen in the girls' yeah, race this year? Race. Because you know, I think going into 70.3 champs, they're all just going, Daniela Reef's just going to yep. smash everybody over there, just going to come over here uh-huh. and destroy everybody. But obviously she didn't have a great race in, um, in 70.3 champs, so, mm. and yourself and Joyce are out of it. So what do you, what do you, what's your gut sort of telling you might, might happen out there? Yeah, look, I think that was just... It showed a little chink in Daniela's armour. I still think she could have an amazing day like she did last year and annihilate the field she's obviously capable of it and doing those back-to-back Ironmans in July was potentially what affected her in Mooloolaba mm. but she's five weeks on now and I've seen her around and she seems happy and healthy and she actually doesn't know herself what happened that day so um, you know if there's not something that you can particularly pinpoint then you know maybe it was an off day or just still suffering from some fatigue from that racing so I kind of have no doubt that Daniela will be up there contending. Um, I think Rini, obviously, last year was just a freak year for her. So I see a battle between those two unfolding. I think Heather Jackson is definitely going to be up there contending. And Mel Houshard, I think, will either do brilliantly or bomb out. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of that sort of racer, you know, all or nothing. And um, this island sometimes is not that forgiving and potentially the way she races is a hard way to race so yeah. Um, but yeah she could also pull it off what about the men's race 
Yeah, um, I think. A- apart from te- the the U place. Uh, oh, of course. BMC, yeah, yeah team, I think we're going to have getting, one, two, three on BMCs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in an alternative world. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. No, mentioning the guys in our team, like Dave McNamee last year on debut. To be honest, you know, on a terrible bike position in my in my opinion, and you know things have improved a lot for Dave this year. He's learned a lot. I definitely think Dave will be up there um, as a bit of a sort of a dark horse. Yeah. Um, I think you can't count out the Germans. You got Sebi and Jan, of course, um, and then Andreas. You never know what he's going to bring to the to the race. Um, but yeah, look, there's probably ten guys you could list off that could sneak onto that podium. What's your thoughts on Australian triathlon right now? My thoughts on Australian triathlon. <laughs> uh, look, I guess Olympic distance. You can look at it and say it's the first year that Australia hasn't um, got a medal at the games, but. Look, I don't think we've taken a step back. I actually think the rest of the world has caught up. Australia mm. was really ahead of its time in the early days of Olympic distance racing, mm. and I do think that the rest of the world's caught up. Um, there is young talent coming through. They're just not quite at that world level yet. Mm. So let's hope in another four years the likes of Ashley and Ryan Bailey will be that next level and hopefully up there contending for the podiums. Um, mm. Long course, I think, yeah, I think we're in good shape. Mm. I think Rini, like... We all saw just was off year last year, and I have no doubt she'll be up there fighting for the win. Yeah, so yeah, I think we're going good. <laughs> and if people want to follow your progress and, and as things unfold, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, probably just on my social channels. Um, I'm Liz underscore Blatchford on Twitter and Instagram, and they're the ones I use the most. And I'll put up lots of pretty pictures by my husband. And <laughs> You're a photographer, you like your, you like your surfing. Um, I like surfing. I'm not very good at surfing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do like surfing. It's something I like to do when I have my few weeks off a year. <laughs> We've got a couple of questions we asked, and we're not going to ask no, girls. Because yeah. we, we asked boys if they wax or shave, and we can't really ask girls that. But, <laughs> and facial girls? products. Well, because, John, sharpen up. Okay. But if you were to run a fresh <laughs> marathon, uh-huh. and you were just like good six months, and you had no bloody plantar fasciitis, and mm-hmm. you could smack the crap out of it, what, what time do you think you'd do? I have no idea. You know, in all seriousness, I've done so little running races in my career I've um, always kind of been a bit of a fragile athlete so I never saw the worth of risking injury in doing running races so I don't have much indication of what I could run flat Um, I don't know what do they say like I reckon 239 Oh, really? Yeah. 239. Just because you could do one, I'm 238. That's uh, why. Yeah. I think I could do 237, actually. It's good stuff. No idea, no idea. Like, my fastest um, in an Ironman is 303, and that was here the first year I raced. So, yeah, look, hopefully. fast about 301, isn't it? It's three hours, but that's in rote. Rote's three hours in rote is not 303 here. It's like probably oh. 315 here. So <laughs> I think she might have me. Well, I'll give it to her. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Liz. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for your good time. Good chatting, guys. Okay, Jombo, we are back. And, and we haven't really, we actually asked many of the athletes other than Liz who they thought were going to be the most successful people in the race. But this year's not so much of a mystery, is it? Yes and no. Mystery passed first. Mm, you kind of, you have to put money on Fredino and Keenlay. But there's, the, the guys we interviewed today, you know, there's some dudes who can run pretty well. Mm. And if it's purely on, if everybody has their best race, Fredino or Keenlay, I think it's going to win. But, you know, Frodo went record-setting pace mid-year. Might be a little bit tired. Uh, Keenlay, he only finished, what, seventh or so last year? So, I don't know. I think um, there's enough excitement there to think it's not a, a lay-down. Like, when Chrissy was racing, it's like, yeah, 
really is anybody going to get close? But do you think so, that's the same with Reef? Like I know, I know we're, the talk right now is the chink in the armor of the seventeen point three. Mm-hmm. You know, if that didn't happen, everyone was just thinking she was untouchable. She had the seventeen point three, but you know, it was within a very short period of time after doing two Ironman back to back and winning both of them. Mm. Um, I, th- I think she. I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd assume she's going to spank it. But I think in race for a second, if she is spanking it, will be fascinating. Mm. That's really wide open. Uh, so I think it's, it's, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be good times. Good times. Rock and roll. Okay, Jombo, so what happens over the next few days? Next few days, we're uh, cranking out loads more interviews. So you guys are just going to hear from the stars, you know, and you're gonna, we're going to slot in some age group athletes in there. You'll hear a little bit out from the boat. Bevan's going to go out on the boat tomorrow. Yes. We've got the Wetsuit Aquathon coming up on Thursday. So today is more about the, the pro athletes, um, but the, the shows over the coming days, we're going to try to get that nice balance between some age groupers, um, some camp athletes, some, some more pros, and, uh, yeah, get a good mix for you. Okay, team, so Jonbo sponsors again? Endurance Sport Travel. Uh, check them out if you want to go to races around the world, especially if they're sold-out races, like Ironman Germany. They have slots for that race. They come down to New Zealand. They go to Brazil. They come over to Kona. Race, they? Yeah, they do loads of races. So um, check them out. Basically, take the hassle out of your travel when you're going to races. You just need to rock up. It was kind of interesting when we had the, the guys from Team BMC. Um, that's kind of... A little bit about they're, they're taking the hassle out of it for the pro yeah, athletes. They don't yeah. have to go out and search for sponsors. It's all just laid on a platter, and it's kind of similar for um, endurance sport travel. You just kind of it's all there. You just rock up, get on the plane, turn up, and everything's taken care of. Okay. And our regular sponsors, Athlinks.com and Extreme Endurance, and of course our patrons. Oh yeah, and the patrons. We've got to give the patrons lots of love right now because the patrons. You, if you're listening to this right now, you know you're a patron. The show that happened this week are all because of you because you committed some good of your hard-earned cash our way and it's helped to fund us to get over here and do this work. So um, for all those who are listening to us who aren't patrons, thank the patrons because they're rock stars. <laughs> yeah. uh, and for those who are patrons, we just really appreciate it. If you want to become a patron, just go to www.imtalk.me and it's all very obvious from there. Jumbo, any other goss? That's it. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.